I'm Lexi Davis, a love embodiment coach who helps people create a love that feels like home, and I'm here to bring more romance and playfulness into the world. I'm also an international retreat host, vibe curator, and human connector. I serve people through my business, Alive to Enjoy, and this podcast where I invite guests from around the world to sprinkle their wisdom and expand your perspective so you can create the deepest love you possibly can reach in this lifetime. I also want you to live the most joyous life, whatever that looks like to you, and I hope that this slice of the internet brings you lots of smiles and helps you keep your heart open. Thank you, thank you, thank you for choosing Heart Snuggles to be in your ears each week, and I'm so glad you're here with me. Welcome heart snugglers. So happy to have you here today. I brought a reoccurring guest and one of my favorite people from Australia that I was so blessed to work with. And she is full of wisdom and just beauty and such an incredible, incredible human being. So go ahead, Dee, and let them know a little bit about you. Thank you, Lexi. Well, I think you're an incredible human being and I was blessed to meet you all those years ago. You know, you know, I've been a psychologist for 33 years and eight, ten, eight to 10 years ago, I converted more over to coach and became a couple's coach. Then I upscaled with my own way, no other training with it, to be a couple's master coach. And that what I did with that was define, if you like, key pivot points in relationships where, relation, where they break down on the basis of things people are not aware of, that they don't know. So there's like the secrets. So that's why what I'm talking about today, shall I say it or will you say it, is, is the disapproval effect or the effect of disapproval. And it's it absolutely penetrates, permeates every relationship. And if some survive it, you can't thrive with it. Mm. I'm so excited to dive into it. I think this is going to be a really important topic that a lot of people need to know about. And I'd like to start with uh, my first pot, my two podcast questions, which is what is the last random act of kindness someone did for you? For the first the last random, oh, I have got one actually. So a friend, it's not, it wasn't, it was random and very kind, was a friend who's in the marketing space I came up with a name for my podcast that's coming up and I was just lightly telling her out of it, we're having a drink and I'm saying, I'm thinking I'm doing a podcast of this just because she'd be interested. Well, she wrote, it's called Nothing's Perfect, by the way, Mm. and it's all about relationships, nothing's perfect. And then she came up with a tagline on the spot, but the random, the, the act of kindness was huge. She went home on a Saturday night at midnight and wrote a five page summary of the whole promotional blurb, of all the features in it, of how it was amazing. And I woke up to that on Sunday morning. So to me, massive kindness. (laughs) That is so sweet and thoughtful. And you can tell that, you know, you she really felt your vision and she wanted to help activate that. So that's so cool. She set out the steps to activate it. She's doing them at, you know, after midnight. on a Saturday night good that's lovely yeah that we that's such a good story I love that one so much and the second question is what would you tell your younger self about relationships or sex that you wish you knew oh this could be a sensitive one 
<laughs> Not for me so much, but for the audience. What did I wish I knew? Well, let's go relationships that I was enough. I was good enough, which is the whole thing we talk about all the time, as same as everybody goes through, that I didn't, I, I grew up with shame so that the shame didn't need to be there. And then that played out through sexually, through everything, shame, shame base, which I now don't have, but it took me 50 years to get rid of it. The shame is so deep and it's it's such, it's oh. like, I think one of the hardest motions to move through because it is, ugh, it's like thick and yucky and, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish if only, I really think, I wonder how that would change if every child like deeply knew that, you know, I think that'd be so powerful. So yes, yes. Well, if they could even recognize it, because as a child, we don't even know it's shame. Exactly. Yeah. And we have no idea. So mm, thanks for sharing that. And now let's dive into this disapproval effect, because I think it is so potent and magical. Yes. Do you want to ask me or will I go into it? Yeah, go ahead. Just start. Lead the way. Okay. Well, it's a really good lead in to start with shame because shame, we feel shame because we are rejected. And rejection starts when we, when it starts in our lives for so many of us as little children, and we don't realise it comes from disapproval. And with little children, it can be the disapproval of anything that they don't even know it's disapproval and they might fight back. They get rejected, though. They feel rejected. They are rejected. They feel rejected. Shame comes in. Then the line, we go on, the chain reactions, the sequence events rolls out, and another sense of disapproval comes in in school, in class, friends, the whole isolation of one friendship group another the bullying we know about it's all disapproval messaging that rejects somebody and forces them down to think less of themselves and then to in some people are it's like incapacitated emotionally because of disapproval from others and they don't even know it is disapproval it's interesting, isn't it? And so for me, I've been crystallising this word disapproval for years in my sessions with all my couples, which is a lot of couples now. Lexi, I'm up over five and a half thousand. Gosh. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot in anyone's career. And I regularly used it, but never thought to encapsulate it as a theme until fairly recently, probably two years ago, it started to well up more and more and more for me to go there's a there's a kernel of an idea there that if people had that they would be more mindful about not showing holding themselves back so they don't show disapproval and if you don't show disapproval to someone else it's more likely they won't reciprocate or retaliate with disapproval so we'll kind of neutralize it stamp it out if we know enough about it Mm, yeah it's it is such a cycle for instance when I Recently, as I was going through this breakup, like he was the one to initiate it. And immediately I felt all this hurt and like anger wanting to come out and like fight back at him. Mm. And it took me a second to like drop back in and remember, like, I only want to love this man. So I'm going to refuse to do that. But it's just like our natural instinct to you rejected me. I'm going to reject you and hurt you back. And so I can see I saw it in that moment. I'm like, whoa. It's so easy Good to on. do. Yeah. Good on you. That's because you have evolved so much, Lexi. You really are. You, you, while it was an awful background for you to take you to this point, look how far you've come at such a young age. I'm very proud of you. Mm. And uh, it's just amazing. See, with the thing is, I go back to my older era too, and a similar idea. 
and I am an old duck, as you can see. I was married in 1969 and dated for five years prior and it was not a good relationship. It really wasn't. But I was coming out of a home life that wasn't good and I went there and it seemed safe and secure. It wasn't. So we, the day we got married, and I know I was speaking to a client in Las Vegas this morning, so I know it was 100 degrees over there in Las Vegas this morning. Well, it was 104 degrees on the day I was married and those big long days and whatever and the whole thing, you know, big wedding day. It was back in the more formal wedding days. So the wedding, it, the, the whole deal starts at 6 a.m. in the morning. We don't finish back in our hotel room till midnight. And all the stuff you know about with weddings. So I was absolutely exhausted. The heat, we didn't have, we had air conditioning, but not like these days. And also we were inside and outside a lot. So we were melting most of the day. So we get back in there and typical guy, he wants the wedding night sex, all right? So he's demanding it. He's pushing me, shoving me, horrible on my wedding night. And I ended up going into the bathroom. I thought I'll have a cool shower and get myself better. And then... While I'm in there, he's bashing down the door, coming in, yelling and screaming at me. Oh, I should never have married you. This is the worst day of my life. This is no wedding day. This is not what wedding, that. So I get myself out of there shaking, come back out, and he's pushing me around, like not real domestic violence like we know about it now, but very, very close. And I fell on the floor, crumbled in a corner like this, and just cried while he stood over me. And, of course, that became the story of the marriage I should never have married you and it was rejection it was absolute wasn't it disapproval you should have been you should 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 that's what shoulds are all about shouldisms are all about disapproval or approval and the other way other flip side so yeah that's the beginning of it go back that far Wow, that is crazy. And it's so hurtful that it is so intense because in that moment you felt how you just didn't want that, but you were afraid to have your own needs knowing that there would be a repercussion. And then mm -hmm. there you are, it's becoming a reality and you're literally being shamed so much that you have to curl up so small. And then it's just, yeah, the whole story of the relationship. So how is someone supposed to move through that when you're afraid to speak up because you know it won't be reciprocated? Yeah, how are they supposed to? Well, at that moment, there is absolutely no point in trying to move through it, okay, other than if if you're overwhelmed to the point that tears and pulling back is the only thing you can do, well, that's what you have to do. I mean, really, there's no real guidance in the moment for that degree of crisis. To me, that's crisis there. That was a crisis. It wasn't ordinary that somebody saying, I shouldn't have married you in my face, you know, you're this, you're that, I always knew this and that and the other about you, always. It, it, the thing was to do as best I could to soothe and settle it for the night, which was going to end up in bed. So I had to go through that. But then I, the next day I just felt disgusting all day and it didn't stop. So then I started to be able to, young as I was, 19, able to say, more peacemaking things around the disapproval sort of saying so how else you know if I'm affected by the heat I'm affected by the heat what did you really want me to do make you my hero see so that didn't work that was sarcastic in his view mm -hmm. <laughs> that caused we went off on a honeymoon and he was he was yelling me at me on the plane to the point where the staff came and told him he was going to 
uh, they were going to turn around and take us back, even in that day and age, in a little tiny plane. He was so outraged by it, but there wasn't a way with somebody like that who has turned out to be a coercive controller in the way we actually really know it. So it's an extreme case. So not a really good answer for that. But let's say we had a milder one with somebody more reasonable. The way to do it would be to say, so how would you feel better about this? Is ask a question, how would this help you feel better about it? What can I say or do? That's not going to be something like submitting your whole self to a whatever thing. Yeah. But if it's a conversation, it will be so a question. How, how would it, you feel better about it? You know, mm-hmm. so... Same old thing like disapproval usually starts when couples start living together and it's usually that one's tidier than the other. <laughs> it's how the towels, it's all about domestic logistics. Where are the towels in the bathroom in the left? How often does the washing get? Do we wash after one wear or all those things? That's actually where the disapproval starts. Then it flows to you talk too much. I was talking to them and you talked over the top of me. See, so disapproval once it starts. So the thing is to nip it in the bud as soon as anybody can by asking a question saying, how would it be better for you? That sounds a pathetic question, but it actually works because often the person giving the disapproval out can't even say how it would be better. Mm. They haven't got a way to answer it. That's so interesting. Yeah. So then they have it, they go, oh, right. How would it be better for me? You be neater then or you, you... Or, and then I say, so what could you do differently that will make it better for us? Ah, so I teach a lot of questioning like that. It's mm. not easy. And, and even a, a podcast like this is going to bring people's awareness to it, but to shape something like this, to do it without somebody coaching them, it's extremely difficult. <laughs> Especially in the moment too. It's like I've had many experiences where I know something, but then in that moment when you're, feeling those emotions or nervous systems dysregulated it's hard to like come up with those questions and to stay grounded and to have that awareness and but I do think those questions we ask are the most important thing like because it's it's not it's creating a less of a defense like you know right because I think that's another big thing that happens during these conflict moments is how to speak without creating defensiveness in them yeah, yeah. So they don't feel attacked or criticized. Well, it's how to speak without criticism or mm. an air of it. And it's not easy. And so when I coach my clients, couples, I give them two or three little short phrases to buy time while they get themselves grounded in the spot. So that's it. So because you are in the emotional moment and you're trying to think quickly through and you're feeling criticized, attacked, you want to defend. And so if we say something along the lines of, oh, okay, then I hear that. Oh, okay, I can see where you're coming from. Doesn't mean you're agreeing. They're simple things, but if you've got them sitting there, back of your mind, flow out quickly, that will bring a little space to bring the heat down. And for the other person might say, oh, I didn't mean it to sound like that. Oh, can you see what I mean? Then we're having a conversation. We're not criticising. You know, that's perfect world, of course. No one's getting perfect well, but if we get 70, 80%, it's a lot better than the other end. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's so interesting too. Like th- I love what you said, cause that little pause creates can create a huge difference. Whereas yeah. if it starts spiraling, like kind of like you're saying the disapproval, of, it just keeps mm-hmm. going and then you really hurt each other and then you have to repair from that. And it's just like, yeah. Yes. Yes. And I have a classic example on one, which is somebody being late all the time. All right. I regularly have to deal with it. 
-hmm. So we're heading it off first. So if we've got a function we're going to and we've got to be ready by whatever, 7 o'clock or something, it's to somebody, the one wanting to stick to time will probably say something that makes the other person feel bad. Like, well, you do know we have to be, we're driving out of here at 7 o'clock. You know that. What time you, you'll be home? Instead of how early do you think you could get here so we can get out on time? Hear the difference? What mm -hmm. a difference. Mm -hmm. Now, when you do it enough, and this is what the real core of all this is, is when you get used to that communication style, it's more automatic people's defensiveness and the sense of attack or criticism isn't there as much. We're not as reactive. And we might even ask the same question or might even volunteer to say, hey, don't worry about, I'll be home well in time. I'll make sure I'm here by half past six or whatever. Or what time do we have to be there? Oh, that's right. I'll make sure I am. I will not. I won't be late. I promise. And we get that cooperative, collaborative thing happening instead of... It's so beautiful yeah. because we often we, we are expecting the worst out of someone and holding them to their what they're not good at when we speak in that way. And that doesn't give them space to grow into who they may want to become, which is someone that's on time. True. Yeah. Somebody who can even think to be on time, you know, <laughs> because thinking to be on time is a skill. It's not an instinct. People want to say it. Oh, I'm sure there are people who are instinctual about always being early. But that probably came from thinking to be on time. It's a thought process. And then we make ourselves stick to it because it's important to us or, and others around us. But it's one of the biggest fight points, conflict points in relationships. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so funny how we're always paired with the opposite. Like there's one person that's on, on time and one person that's not. And I love how relationships are just like our biggest mirror and you're constantly being reflected. These parts yeah. of your and so, yeah, I guess another question kind of along this conflict is when something comes up that's really tender for the other person and you're also hurt, how do you how do you move through it when you're both feeling that hurt? Yes, yes. Well, I would delay the conversation so that you'll mm. get a chance to settle down, of course. Most people know that but can't do it. <laughs> so... It comes with a question again, and it's a soothing question that says something like, are you okay to keep talking now or would we be better to talk afterwards? Now, if the person says I'm okay now, that usually brings them down a bit anyway. And then the, we do this thing I call pre-framing where we pre-frame and acknowledging it's upsetting for both of you, okay, so that we both, we've both found it, like you said, the tender point here, or we've hit a nerve here. Mm -hmm. We have hit can we navigate through it now or do you think we should come back in half an hour? What do you think? And put a soft word in, whatever your pet name is. You know, I always use the generics, babe, huns, but people got all sorts they use. So just whatever it is. One, one guy calls his wife Bunny. So Bunny, I said to him, say Bunny, because she's quite forceful and they're constantly in, or not anymore, but they were constantly in a conflict corner where he couldn't get out of it. It didn't matter what he said or did because she wouldn't let him out of it until he went her way. And that's the beginning of my 90-day program. So then we shifted over time by showing them how to frame something up. So I would really like you to hear this. How can we set up something so that you'd be prepared to listen? Mm. 
because everyone says, I don't get heard. I need to be heard. I want to be heard. And they talk louder and louder and get more aggressive. That's not helping. <laughs> I think that is the most common problem is not feeling understood. And then you're both not yeah. feeling understood and you're both fighting to feel understood and no one's being understood and heard. Get worse because we keep putting our point of view over and our point of view is inferring disapproval of the other person's point of view. Mm. It comes back to my word, the disapproval word, doesn't it? Yeah, it truly does. And it's and you're and you're separating yourselves instead of remembering. My my past lover always reminded me, he's like, we're on the same team, Lexi. And sometimes yeah. I would really forget that in those moments. And I feel like we're arguing because in the past, you know, either past relationships or with my family, it was it was it was if you don't agree with me, then you're out. So with him, I like I saw that response coming up in me. And he's like, We're on the same team. It's okay to have a different opinion. And Yes, really important in relationships because we have to remember we're not trying to I'm not trying to be right or wrong you know no and we want even to sometimes we're okay to hear our views not correct but not to be put down because of it or disapproved of because of it. it's very different to have an okay different opinion it's fine but not when there's the disapproval aspect that comes with it or the put down Mm-hmm. So how do you navigate that when someone is putting down your opinion? Yeah, well, it's really the similar idea is to say, ask the question, so how can we get a better outcome here? I know I can hear the framing parties and the, I can hear you have a different view on this and my view is not really being heard. Could I? How could I say so it would be? Hmm. It's important to me that we talk about mine as well. Can you see we're only talking about your point of view? Or can you see it would be good if we talked about both? See, questions work. Now, I'm talking like there's a perfect two people there that are going to go, oh, yes, sweetheart. Oh, yes, darling. But that's not the reality. So it's there's going to be pushback. And it's about sticking to the guns where you're saying, yes, I hear that. Okay? I hear that. I can understand why you might think that. Yeah. I, I can see. I can see your point. Doesn't mean you agree with it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As soon as you see somebody, I can see your point. There's an interesting shift in their energy usually. And I say this, I have another mantra, which is the main one I use actually, which is you will never ever go wrong by allowing the other person to be right unless it's life or death. Unless it's we're driving across a train track and the train's coming and you're not listening to me. There's a train, there's a train. No, but if it's not life and death, let them be right. Mm. You can circle back. Then we circle back and go, can we just have another look at that? A question, soft, soft question. Could, could we, do, do, you know, is there some way, way we could talk about that again? No, you might still get another. Mm. And if you've got too many of them in the early stages of the relationship, you wouldn't continue it. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be there. But if you're in a longer-term one, married, got kids and everything, then you would think there'd be enough at stake to say, okay, yeah, fair enough, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not would it be okay if I say my piece? No, that won't work. You know, so can we just circle back around on that again? Yeah. And usually that other person will be happy to, happy to, if they want, if they want a balanced, solid, thriving relationship. Yeah. But if they don't and they want to be in the control seat, that requires more than we can do on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure but actually that sparked up a question in me which I've been contemplating recently is how quickly people give up on relationships nowadays 
and how it's like, oh, if you don't meet these standards or, oh, if we have this, then it's done. So what is your perspective on that? Right. Yes, I do have one. I've actually written an article on it recently because the red flags, because everyone's reading the internet about all the red flags. Dr. Google's got red flags everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're not necessarily a red flag. Somebody's just loved to get their name out there in an article around it and made them up, some of them. So words like red flags, all the other words we know about gaslighting, narcissism, they're all taken over and they aren't necessarily even there at all. So it's about watching it, maybe harnessing your emotions in a little bit while you just observe and test it out a bit. Ask some questions, test it out rather than run away from it. If there's ask yourself, do, what, what are my feelings about? Is it just pure physical attraction or is there some intellectual connection deep is there soul connection is there enough there are we able to create a way to speak about things and be different everyone's different I don't know if that's answered your question or not no it it has and I I think where's the line of you know just giving up too soon versus we can work through anything because I feel like technically obviously you repair so many couples it's crazy how you the depth that you repair so yeah yes. Yeah, so I don't think there is a line I could describe other than it would depend on if there's children or not children. If there's a family to keep together, then there's uh, a bigger lead time to the line. But if you're in a high-conflict relation, if the seven, I've got seven couple types, an article on it, I can send it to you. So if it's a high-conflict relationship, volatile right from the start, the likelihood of settling that down early enough before children come along is very low if it's high conflict that's usually high passion and high love so we think we're there for the love but if we cannot get any kind of peace between us and harmony anywhere that's probably one to say goodbye to sooner than the others okay really high conflict and I'm talking high conflict where a difference of opinion it doesn't even become an argument. It goes to a fight and a hostile, volatile fight like in a millisecond. If somebody's with a partner that's doing that all the time, there's probably not much point in pushing through on that one. If there was somebody, though, that's more likely to quietly resist and more do their own thing, having difficulty merging as a couple, which I call conscious coupling, if they're having that can be fixed. That's all doable, but with help. And, but it does require patience and tolerance that this day and age doesn't give us a lot of. And then when our brains are, plan, are programmed or, or manoeuvred by all the articles online, well, people go, oh, yes, I can, he ticks or she ticks all those boxes, I'm out. And they're not maybe ticking them at all. It's a perception. Mm. But I also say if somebody wants out, if anyone, male or female, is with a partner who wants out and there's no children involved to worry about keeping family and everything together, different story if there is, but if there are none, then I say let them go. It's the cat bird in the cage thing. You know, if a bird keeps banging at the cage bars, open the door and let it out. If it goes and doesn't come back, it never was yours. If it comes back, it's yours. There's the old adage. It's an old story. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I haven't, but I mean, they always say, you know, whatever you love, set it free. So, but I like that visual analogy more because it makes sense and it, and we shouldn't be 
you know, that's the the trauma response in us is like, oh no, they're trying to leave. Like I, I must show them my best self. I must pour so much love into them and then just like try to keep them around. And that's not, yes. not the energy. No, you're better to let them go and let it go. Let's set them free. And if they got, they are yours, they go and have a think about it. And because I deal with so much infidelity and in the beginning, the very hurt partner wants to run. And I say, anti-logic goes against counterintuitive. I say to the partner, that committed the injury just to let them go and I'm talking to the man within days of taking pulling back like that the hurt partner's back in again yeah they just need some space to be able to make think they've got choices Mm -hmm. and I know you work a lot with infidelity so I'd love to know I mean I feel like it's there's always a reason right that people do that they're not just awful people that commit or that do a crime you know that do that However, how do you know it's worth staying and that it, it can actually be repaired? Good question. Very good question. Well, firstly, there are some people who are serial cheaters and I don't deal with them. Firstly, they don't want to be fixed, so they would not be coming into my program. And if somehow to appease their partner or put some control over their partner, they decide to do an introductory call with me, I can tell that person in the first 10 minutes and I'm saying I'm booked out, all right? So I don't have to deal with it. So I don't have a lot of information on that other than I recognise them and I don't want to work with them and people are not going to be happy with a partner that is. How do you recognise them? Uh, How do I recognise them? They don't look at me. They won't look straight. They keep looking away. They're flicking on their phone. They shrug shrug body language, head flicking, almost disrespectful behaviour, almost disapproval of me. Don't want to hear anything I have to say either. It's like, you know, just being a nuisance you know like get out of my face kind of thing so I cut them off quickly we go on then I go back to the hurt partner and set up a separate 15 minute session just to soothe it over and give them some feedback but it hardly ever happens because those serial cheaters serial offenders aren't really coming on board they don't want to they're not going to stop there's reasons psychological reasons that's another whole story but in general the ones people I see it's a one-off once off and they made a mess up for whatever reason, there's reasons. Sometimes they're lonely in the marriage. Sometimes they're totally disregarded in the marriage. Lots of life circumstances that lead people to feel vulnerable to someone else's attention, to get drawn into it, because that is what happens. And that is when a betrayal happens. And it can happen at a small level, just emotional texting. It can go to the sexting, can be in the gym flirting. You know, but people are vulnerable when they're not properly or well-roundedly satisfied in their home environment with their which whichever male or female partner they've got and how do you rebuild that trust from that repair yeah well we do we show them I have a structure I work to it's called a diamond and it's got well it is a diamond and it's got all the facets in it that provide a reassuring certainty for the trust to come back And the trust is coming back strongly. I run 90 to 120 day program and strongly by about 60 days in the trust is pretty solidly back again. Few little niggly doubts because we've got the partner that did the injuring actually living the life and they both are contributing to the lifestyle that bonds them and keeps them unified. So that therefore provides a reassurance. Now, if there's a bit of a wobble, I show them how to come back into it again. 
so that there's, you know, and but we do have to have things where people do need to leave jobs because the affair partner was in the in the workplace or in their business often, often talking to people where it's somebody in the business. So that person has to go. There's all sorts of stuff that goes on with it to remove that threat, even though nothing might ever happen again. But how could you face that day in and day out? You can't do it. Nobody's going to. And so how I do it. And the person that is on the, the person that didn't commit and is feeling the hurt from that, what can they do with themselves outside of their partner doing something to feel better? Yeah. Well, it's a lot about meditation and self-soothing and retreats. I get them to go on retreats a week's retreat, often depending on what's going on. Where they know they were distant where they know the relationship was not in a good place and that they'd been ignoring that partner for a long time. Like I've had one lady recently who had three children, co-slept. They co-slept with her for nearly 20 years. And so he wasn't in the bed with her, didn't sleep with her from when the first child was about eight months old. And she thought that was all right. So then he goes off. He's going to be, over all those years, he is going to be attracted to someone else. Yeah. That is a given because he's alone. There's absolutely no comfort in his life, almost nothing. They can't talk about anything, so conversation's minimal. So that's that example. So if there's an easy, obvious thing to see where there's been disconnected and even just friends cohabiting, co-parenting, which is what really what that was, they weren't even that friendly, so if there's all that there, then you, it's easy for the hurt partner to come in and not have to do too much. A fair bit, yeah, self-soothing and self-repair. Meditation does a good job. I use an app and I get a, get I send them a pillow speaker and that's that if they want to do it at home and then I've got other options. So, but if there was no reason that they know about and they can't put to it, well, that's... A, big job of settling that person down so I do a lot of that so I run individual and joint sessions to settle that down and daily calls support calls through until we get that settled and even still it when it does settle down there will usually be something fairly sizable where neglect some emotional neglect was present even if it doesn't come out in the beginning yeah I, I fully feel that I, th I think we all can take responsibility in some way, even if we weren't the one doing the act. And yes. that's what's most important because to think that you're not at all involved in it yes. can't, can't be, I mean, obviously you might've not had a big part, but yeah. Well, that's right. Well, the partner that did the injuring has made bad choice. Yes. If they're frozen out for long enough, they're more likely to make, the, they're less likely to control the choice, the decision maker. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's they're questioning are we even a couple? Where do I fit in? And where I don't need too many words said to some kind ear that's listening to feel drawn there. Do you want to be a part of an extraordinary trip of a lifetime where you'll be surrounded by open-minded, fun, and inspiring humans from around the world? You'll be in a space that is so safe you can express all of you, not have to hide or hold back the tears or the weird accents you love to do. The amount of unconditional love you will feel will make you feel unstoppable. You'll be in a tropical paradise surrounded by beauty in the Balinese jungle. 
every day you'll eat delicious, healthy meals cooked by a local chef, and instead of cleaning up after, you'll head to the glass sauna and relax. You love growing and are ready to leap into the unknown and connect deeper to your spirituality. At the end of the week, you'll leave feeling like the weight of the world has been lifted off your shoulders. You'll be smiling ear to ear and feel as light as a feather. I will take care of all of your needs for a week at the all-inclusive Alive to Enjoy retreat this December 2nd through 10th. You can book a call with me, Lexi, at alivetoenjoy.com slash retreats. And I swear this will be hands down the best way to end 2023. All genders are welcome and all people who are here to make this world a better and brighter place. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful that you help couples with that because I, I think they don't always have to end just because of a cheating incident and yeah, like a big mishap, but we can repair. People, amazing what people repair from in my world. I can't, sometimes I think, oh, I can't see this one repairing. And I will say, there's no guarantee and they pay a, the full fee up front. So there's no guarantee, no refunds or anything. But I'm telling you, you're around the 50 to 60% that I think is going to do well. So if you want to take the risk and that was often say to me well what other choice where else can we go they haven't got another one mm-hmm. so they take the choice and over 90 percent repair well and sustainably so and i'll check in up to two years later wow so that's very high but there is a bias in who comes into it too you know over 90 percent of them want to repair there's the other eight nine percent who are maybe uncertain and maybe struggle through for a while and, and the ones that don't repair are always tied up with alcohol and drugs and either some sort of abuse or violence that's not repairable. I would love to hear one of a crazy sh- story that you've witnessed and helped in one of your couples. You want a crazy one? <laughs> I'll tell you the most crazy one I had through lockdowns. I'm going to tell you, I won't tell you the states. It's in the United States, but I won't tell you where to, from where to where. So I had a surgeon contact me and on the first session, he's on his phone in his car in tears, only just met me, has booked a call on the scheduler and he said, I'm in a mess, absolute mess. I've had an affair with my theatre nurse. My wife is the administrator of the hospital that we were working at. Her husband kicked her and she let her husband, the nurse's husband, know. So he kicked her out straight away. Then And his wife kicked him out. And then, because it had been going on a long time, about a year. And then, so they took off across country, him and the theatre nurse, and took a position up at another hospital working together across the other side of the country just when lockdown started. So just when the flights, so they couldn't get back to see their kids, or bring their kids to see them, stopped. Oh, so that meant they were stuck there together, frontline workers in all this stress, didn't know anyone, had no friends there. Anybody else they had as friends had judged them and wiped them off anyway. So they were bound to fail and they did. So they had a shocking time. And so when he rang me, he'd been negotiating a little bit with his wife lockdowns were lifting it was easier than what it was here in Australia they could do a bit of travel 
And so he went home to talk to her and they decided they might make it work again. So he then was talked to me in between, went back, divorced the other girl, his nurse, who married, because he'd married her, divorced, then married. Then here I come into it and he moves himself back across the country to be with his wife. His wife had left the hospital position because she was embarrassed and shamed by it all. Well, they took her back in in the most senior admin position she could have gone back into. And he went back to work there too. They took him back and life got restored fairly normally, except for all the hurt and pain, which I dealt with. So that was normally I do a 90-day program, but I did that one over nearly eight months, longer than six months, but only every now and again. Intense at the beginning, over every, because there were many, many, many factors to bring into that. But they were good. The essence of it was they were good. I've got an absolutely beautiful testimonial from them. And so that all happened in 2021. And by Christmas 21, they sent me some ridiculously expensive, massive big hamper sent to my front door. And then I got another one from them just last Christmas, 22, a year later, with all the notes in it. So, you know, you wouldn't expect that one to be repaired. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, wow. Ah, that makes me so happy that you can, that just makes me so happy that anything is possible. And and mm. with the support, and I think that's the biggest thing, It's 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 so important to reach out in those moments and figure it out on your own. And you wouldn't expect a surgeon of note to be sitting in his car with his phone zoom on mm-hmm. crying. We don't, I've had a lot to do with, I work mainly with people who are prominent people in different professions and I've had others do it, but not like that the very first time. As soon as we came on and he was clear, he just couldn't talk till he'd gotten all the tears, floods of tears out. He was almost choking on them. And I said to him, you're right, man. He went, it's the first time I've cried. Mm. So I come along, there's somebody there to unload on and they're a 45-minute call Normally, that's an introductory call. Um, and we did in nearly two hours. Mm. I was just lucky I didn't have anything booked after him. I just could keep on and on and on and on and got him settled. And so we put a plan together, what to say, what for him to say to his new wife at home when he got home. But she already knew. She said, I know we're divorcing. I know that. But she stayed there. She didn't go back to where the other side of the country when he did. She stayed where she was. So it, it was just interesting. But I've got so many. I would have... Two, three, four, five hundred stories like that. I know. I remember when I worked with you, it was crazy. I'm, I was just blown away. So, yeah, it just shows how skilled you are because that's not an easy thing to repair. And to the way that you're able to see people and bring it, harmonize it back together is so incredible. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering, like, what are the main things that help to harmonize those relationships? The main thing, well, firstly, they have to have enough depth of feeling for each other. They mm-hmm. have to want to. So they want to, then they realise they can. And then the main thing is changing their perception of what the other one is saying. Yeah, that's huge. Interpretation. Because we we hear this or we hear that. We, we hear it through our own filters. Like, I'll be home at seven could mean... I might be running late, I'll try to be home at seven or I'll definitely be home at seven or be ready for me, be ready because I'm going to whiz by and grab you at seven, depending on the circumstances. And uh, 
you think we all know what that is at the time, but that's one key point of so many fights with couples. Timing. You're coming home. You said you'd be here at seven. I've been ready. Babysitter's here. I'm standing waiting. <laughs> well, well, I got caught on the, the whatever, the freeway, the whatever. I got caught. There was this. There was that. There's things. Yeah, but why didn't you text me? See? So, all right. Okay, no, I left late. Why didn't you text me? Because I knew I'd get slammed for it. That brings me into this next question I wanted to say is that safety piece of I feel like we're not creating safety, especially honestly for men in particular, they have a a very big lack of safety in relationships. And so how can we provide a space that is actually safe? And yeah, I'll just let you start with there. No, that's a good one. You can go on with it. (laughs) I was just going to, yeah, no, go ahead. Go on, go and say what you're going to say. Oh, I, with, for instance, for my example, with my ex, he, when he was vulnerable with me, I would it would hurt to hear sometimes and I would take it personally. And then he would say, I don't feel safe sharing with you now because of how you're responding, but I didn't know how to not feel how I was feeling. So yeah, Yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, I get it. Yes, it goes around, chain reaction. So yes, well, the thing, what I coach in is taking outside of your own emotional sense and going over to them, put yourself in their shoes. It's not easy. That's why I take as long as I do to coach in it. It takes a really big shift to think, what is he or she really telling me? Okay. And if they're being vulnerable saying something, they maybe don't want it to come along as a criticism or a disapproval or whatever. They're just saying, this isn't work. This part's not working. What can we do about it? But the person in your shoes or whoever hurts goes, not working. Something wrong with me. Oh, I've been there before. This is reminding me. I'm being judged. I'm not good enough. You go in here. And then you only have to have that come across their face and they don't feel safe. No, And you're right. It's men. Men do not know how to. Men are on the receiving end of the majority of criticism in couples. Okay. The majority by a long way. The, the of disapproval. The majority. They don't do this. They don't. One I use all the time is glass on sink. Right. A woman, usually, will come out. He's had a drink and put a glass down on the sink instead of straight in the dishwasher. She wants immaculatum countertop, and that's the new wave of everywhere. No one can have anything out of place. Glass on sink. Tone, tone, whatever. So that's a criticism. So, and I will say to the guys, if it comes up in conversation, why don't you put it in the dishwasher? I'm interested to know. I'm not criticising you. I just wonder why. Are you resisting, rebelling against that disapproval or that what you think is too restrictive and too much pressure on you to have this immaculate countertop. Oh, yeah, they'll all say yes, they are. Okay? Pretty well all will. They In the beginning, they might fud, fob me off and say, oh, well, I just didn't think about it. But I say, well, you must have had that said thousands of times. I think you've thought about it. <laughs> yeah. And they go, yeah, I have thought about it a lot. Because why should I, they'll say, why should I? Why can't I have the home the way I want to or a part of the home Mm -hmm. see so but they have no voice to have emotional safety they don't get the voice so there is a gender difference and whoever's listening to this probably is going to there'll be it's polarizing some people aren't going to agree with me on it but there's a gender difference men are not as uh, capable of verbalizing this 
and they're much more likely to have hit a sting point just to point something out when they really think they're on a personal enough, deep enough soul level they could say it, then they realise, oh, no, that's hurtful. So they just don't think like it. They don't say that to each other either. As guys to guys don't speak like that. They never get deep and meaningful with each other because they don't know how to. Mm. So it's a long lifetime ahead of shaping, reshaping men, boys to men, to be able to say what they want to say. Yeah. And it goes right. Yeah. And I was talking to some guy friends about it because, you know, it happens in all these relationships where they, you know, they do, they will finally, after like lots and thought, because men do not speak right away. They definitely take their time. And then when they do, it's the disapproval from the, from the woman, like, okay, they finally are voicing their needs and then the disapproval. So is there anything that we can do to help this? Well, so it's space really, not so much a do. Mm. Some do, I think we're going to run out of time, but I'll just give you this other example because sometimes there's a solution. Sometimes there isn't. Okay. So Let's go with this other example, which was a guy, a dentist, who's believed that the toothbrushes on the electric charger could not go down off the counter in the cupboard until they're dry. So which meant they sat there all day. So she got very upset to come home to sit, and he, the kids were the same. They had four kids. So kids got their toothbrushes, his, and he got annoyed at her too, but too bad that's her toothbrush. So she came home to their ensuite the main bathroom, toothbrushes and the thing. So he was const- always constantly in strife for it. It was like a big, the biggest thing. So on the one, what we had just started with them and I said to him, so is there anywhere else you could put the toothbrush, your toothbrush? I didn't know about the kids at that stage. He went, what do you mean? I said, well, let's go for a solution first. Where would it be out of the way where it's not seen to mess up the beautiful bathroom, glamorous bathroom countertops? He went, oh, has a look, picks up his computer, walks through the house with it to show me. We go in to, you call it the washroom or the laundry? Anyway, in there, there's this huge bench around the corner. He said, oh, I've got PowerPoints here. I could put them here. I said, what's them? He said, well, the kids too. That's annoying everybody too. I went, right. I said, so you're going to clean your teeth? And then go in there, get the toothbrushes, come out here, clean your teeth, take the toothbrushes back and put them on there. He said, yes. So he sits and looks at me and you can see thought process going. He goes, actually, we could all clean our teeth in there, in the laundry. So there was a solution. I know that's a bit pathetic. It saved massive amounts of grief. And she couldn't see any of it because it's tucked around the corner on this bench. No, and, and he didn't tell her. And it took her about a week to say, what happened to all the toothbrushes? <laughs> because guess why? Guess why? Because she didn't do the laundry. He did. She never went into the washroom. So she didn't ever know to go, go in and look around there. He did it. He looked after it all. Mm. That's an example. So what can you do? Keep the conversation going kindly and softly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that you always use the soft question and soft communication because that that's where we're really receptive and we can actually make the change. And yes. and even though it, that example seems so silly, like when you're in a relationship, you understand because there's always going to be something silly like that happening that's causing ridiculous amounts of conflict for yes. no reason. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. It's domestic logistics, that the front-end representation of everything else behind. The fighting over the domestic logistics. Yes, yeah. Oh. Okay, well, thank you so much. Last question is, what was your favorite romantic moment or one moment that you've had in your life? Oh, dear. Oh, I needed to know that one was coming. Oh, <laughs> think about my favorite romantic moment. Probably I married a second time after the first husband and I was proposed to on a beach in Koh Samui in Thailand. Oh. No ring because it was all emotional and beautiful and we weren't that prepared with stuff, but that was beautiful. And then, then a, a very special dinner had all been set up afterwards, but it was just the two of us in Koh Samui, so that was lovely. That's so sweet. And I love that it was a true just like emotional moment. that had... one. Yes, it was. Yes. Oh, so cute. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Seaweed. I think we use seaweed for a ring. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. And how can people work with you and where can they find you? Well, my website is my name, D-E-E-T-O-Z-E-R.com. I'm sure you'll put that anyway. That's where they can find me. Everything is there. If they want to make an appointment, there's a click the button to go to the scheduler everything there to do the call introductory call and then we work out from there beautiful thank you so much d thank you so much for having me on lexi i really appreciate it you made it to the end of the episode so now it's time for our snuggly heart breath of the day place a hand or both hands if it's safe to do so over your heart (laughs) And take a big breath into your heart center. Open your mouth and let it go. (sighs) I'm so grateful to have shared this time with you. If you enjoyed this combo, please share with your besties and your fam. And if you're a visual person like me, fly over to YouTube and watch the video. If you want to do a random act of kindness today, please leave a five-star review so more people in the world can get their hearts snuggled. (laughs) You're helping tremendously when you do this, so thank you so much. And as a gift for doing so, I'll give you my Soften Your Heart Medi that feels like an exhale and a hug from within. When you leave a review and email me at the screenshot to heartsnuggles at alivetoenjoy.com, you can also find the email in the show notes and you'll get the free meditation. Sending you the warmest, comfiest hug and lots of unexpected blessings your way. Remember that every single person just wants to be loved. So how can you be loved today?